Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Transcript Podcast. We sent out a new newsletter yesterday, and we're going over some of the stuff that we found. You've got me, Scott Krisloff, editor of the Transcript, along with Eric Mokaya, who's our lead author. Last week, we saw a lot of continuation of the trends that we've been seeing. It was the second full week of earnings, so there was a lot of, a lot of companies talking. But we continue to see the U.S. performing very strongly from an economic standpoint, One of the incremental things I think we saw were a couple of quotes about the Delta variant that made me feel a little bit better about the fact that it's really affecting unvaccinated people rather than vaccinated people. And I think a lot of the largest economic actors are are vaccinated at this point. I think United Airlines was talking about 84% of their customers are vaccinated. And so not to diminish it in any way, the threat to people who aren't vaccinated yet But at least in the U.S., there is plenty of access to vaccination. People should be getting vaccinated. Internationally, there may be less less access, but, you know, people should be getting vaccinated. That's the bottom line. And so hopefully people will will take the opportunity of this spike to to get vaccinated if they haven't already. So, Mokai, any thoughts? Uh, I agree with you on that end. I was a bit surprised by the statistics uh, about American vaccination rates, which is around 85% of individuals 65 years and over have been vaccinated, and 70% of 18 years and above have gotten at least one shot. And I think comparing that to Sweden, uh, they're actually almost at the same level, uh, which is surprising given the size and scale of the US compared to countries like Sweden. So pretty impressive that. Something that stood out for me is that I think that's why we made it like the week's uh, main theme is like the, it's a workers market. So I think there was a really nice yes, a study from Manpower that said uh, they surveyed around 42,000 employers and 69% globally say that they're having difficulties hiring skilled workers. That was surprising to me in the sense that because of this shortage of the skilled laborers in some markets, the employers are having to offer more in terms of prices in terms of wages and in terms of flexibility, what we've been talking about, working from home, working from the office, skills and commitment, especially to ESG. So I was a bit, I saw how it tied up to some of the things that we've been exploring this past couple of weeks and which is also tying into labor inflation and to the inflation aspect, which has been, we've been crying about for the last couple of weeks or so. Any thoughts on that yourself? Yeah, yeah, it was striking to see the commentary around it being a workers' market and the wage inflation that's coming. Certainly, anecdotally, the things that I'm seeing in projects that I'm working on is it it maps up to this. It's really hard to find people, and people have bargaining power right now. Good people, especially, to ask for higher wages, to ask for better incentive packages, things like that. And we were seeing that in the earnings calls as well this week. I think it's really especially striking when you think about this relative to at least the last 13 years kind of post-financial crisis. It really hasn't been a worker's market in that entire time. Even when we were down at three and a half percent unemployment or, you know, in the threes, it really didn't feel like it was quite as tight of a labor market as it is right now. We weren't seeing commentary like this. And so it's especially interesting to see commentary like this, know that workers have the upper hand and then splice that again against the Fed's dual mandate of inflation and unemployment, you know, both of those things seem to be satisfied and yet we're still printing hundreds of billions of dollars a month. So I think the Fed's going to, going to meet this week, obviously, but it's the, the data is pretty clear here uh, as to where we are with respect to their dual mandate. 
Yeah, if you compare the, I mean, the Fed is meeting and then the ECB met, and I think one quote from the international section is that they themselves also expect transitory inflation and if they expect interest rates to be at where they are or lower, which is very interesting, which is, tells you like they are not thinking about any interest rate increases at all from the side of the ECB. So I don't know, like it's a, it's a very conflicting situation where you're seeing all this data is telling you something and then the, the regulators like the ICB and the Fed are telling you like, okay, not so fast. We actually maybe are seeing it, but we hope like it's transitory and all. So I think we'll keep seeing that in the coming weeks, of course. Anything else that stood out for you? Yeah, I mean, I think we had a big section on supply chains and seeing that supply chains continue to be disrupted by the surge in demand and the lingering effects of COVID. And most companies seem to be saying that that the supply chains are going to remain unbalanced through 2021 into 2022. Semiconductor companies, especially talking about this still being, you know, many months out until we have balance. And so that being a primary driver of inflation would expect that to be continued to, to impact inflation there. It was just so interesting reading at least that, uh, I mean, of course, a lot of the challenges are about supply chains and about how it's really difficult. And actually the second half of the year may actually not be the time when you get this demand and supply to equalize. So more hope being pushed towards 2022. But Volvo say that there are certain pockets of the supply chain where they're seeing gradual improvements. So that can give you a little bit of a glimpse of maybe what can happen in the next year or so as maybe supply ramps up. So I think that gives you a little bit of hope, I would say. Did you think? Yeah, I think so. The other thing actually that was included in the newsletter this week was about emerging market vaccine manufacturers starting to ramp up. And if, if that's the case, if there are more vaccines being distributed throughout the supply chain into areas emerging markets, which are important parts of supply chains for many companies, Hopefully that means that more shifts can come online, more production can come online, and then you would have supply chain um, healing through that. So that might be an underappreciated catalyst as well with respect to supply chain. One continent yeah. that I actually do watch very closely is Africa. And uh, I think one of the other quotes which I included after the Dana Hair one about emerging markets actually ramping up vaccine is also Fees and BioNTech actually partnering with a, with a company in uh, South Africa called BioVac to actually produce the target is to produce to ramp up production to vaccines to around 100 million per year in the next coming five years. So as you can see, like even emerging markets will be touched by the fact that they may actually also ramp up their vaccine deployment and then we'd see more healing on supply chains, as you say. Totally agree with you on that. But there's something you also picked up from Wireless and Company about fundamentals of M&A changing. Is that something you'd want to highlight yourself? Yeah, I certainly thought it was interesting to think about just the amount of assets that have gone into financial buyers and how that's kind of flipping the dynamics of, of M&A markets on their heads, where usually you would have strategics driving M&A historically. And now there's, I mean, at least what Molas was saying was, um, you know, flipping the dynamics. Did you have extra thoughts on that? Not really. I was just surprised by it. I mean, but I think something else that actually... Uh, surprised me there was something you say you also picked up about unicorns being their own asset classes because I've been seeing a lot of statistics lately I think in the second quarter there are at least I can't remember the statistics very well like unicorns are actually getting more and more common so I don't know if you should actually be calling them unicorns after all 
So I think them becoming an asset class of their own, that was a bit of like, what? Are they? So are they this big? They can actually be now called like an investment class or something like that? Yeah, I mean, a $3 trillion market cap for all 900 unicorns that are out there. That's pretty uh, surprising statistic. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to mention was about business travel bouncing back. We had a quote in there about that. I personally, anecdotally, have been traveling for business for the last few weeks and will travel again this week. It seems like every week I'm on a plane now going somewhere again, which is surprising and interesting anecdotally. And then also we had a quote about people expecting to go back to the offices after Labor Day. And I think that's a really important thing to highlight too, because I do think that like summer's starting to wind down. And I think that people, when, when we go, when back to school starts, when Labor Day happens, like there is going to be sort of a retrenching of people kind of seeing what the world is going to look like in the real true post COVID era. And so I think, you know, enjoy the next month and there's going to be more salient data coming in September. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I've also been reading in earnings calls. A lot of the CEOs are saying like, okay, we have a little bit of visibility into August, especially maybe on bookings. But when it comes to September, October, that's when like the rubber kind of meets the road and then you'll really get to see what exactly is uh, the market is made of. But it's also good to see, especially from and in the United Airlines CEO, uh, Chief Commercial Officer used the word inflected sharply in June. A lot of people have been anticipating uh, business travel maybe to come back next year, but then that sharp inflection tells you that there could be something happening. It could be a hint of something that he's seeing. So we keep watching and seeing, especially going into the fall, how that plays out. Yep. Yeah. Any other thoughts that you had? No, I think that's all I've got for this week. That's a good point to close. This week, around 177 S&P 500 companies are actually uh, reporting almost a third of the S&P 500. So then we'll be here to watch everything and see what big quotes we can generate this week. Hopefully we can read a lot more than last week. Looking forward to reading all that and of course, keeping our readers posted. So keep it here, the, tra- the, tra- the transcript.substack.com so that we can keep giving you more information about that. So see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.